Welcome to Legal Nurse Podcast, where you will get tips to expand your legal nurse consulting skills. Every week, you'll hear from experts from within and outside of legal nurse consulting. They will share their knowledge to help you grow. Your show is moderated by Pat Iyer, a legal nurse consultant with 30 years experience. So join our community, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn. Here's Pat. Welcome back to Legal Nurse Podcast. I'm Pat Iyer, and today I have with me Mary Jorgensen, who is a legal nurse consultant who works for a company named Rimkus. She has not been with Rimkus her entire career. You'll have an opportunity to see in this podcast some of the pathways that are open to legal nurse consultants and perhaps not the traditional ones that you think of. Mary has extensive clinical experience in critical care transport, long-term care, hospice, home care, and EMS labor relations and quality improvement. That's quite a bit across the spectrum. And she's now a board certified legal nurse consultant. She also has experience working in-house before she got to the point where she is now. And she's worked for defense medical malpractice firms and for firms that were defending pharmaceutical companies. We'll get into what she's doing now as we're talking in this podcast. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. And Mary, thank you for being here as my guest today. It's a joy to be here, Pat. Thank you. You are welcome. I know we've talked about your broad range of clinical expertise and the different settings that you've worked in. How did you get involved in the medical legal arena? Well, it's quite a story. And if you don't mind, I'd like to share um, a little story about how I got my current role. And I never would have believed that a little exchange with a neighbor would have landed me with this role that I have um, with Rimkiss. So my uh, good neighbor, an older couple next door, the husband lost his wife. He was heartbroken and he was lonely and he had family coming out of town to be with him during the week of services and preparation. And I didn't know what to do, but I brought over one of my famous big ZD trays. I figured, well, he's got a lot of people over there. Let me bring over some food. So a few weeks passed and he reached out to me and a few other neighbors and said, please come over. I'd love to have a wine tasting with you and thank you for being so kind since my wife passed. Um, I was very busy working. I have four children. Um, I almost didn't make it over there, but I did, um, did make time because he's such a sweet, dear neighbor. And I did go to his house and there were only two other neighbors there, a husband and wife. And so it was uh, the four of us sat at the dining room table and sipped some wine. And um, my neighbors were asking me, hey, you know, what do you do? So I started to share my career story. And my neighbor said, you know, I think we could use someone like you at our company. And so that was, the, I never thought that was the beginning of where I'm at right now. And so um, I graduated nursing school in the early 90s and I started my career in ICU. I was there for about six years, small community hospital in Yonkers, New York. 
and I was active in organizing the union to unionize the hospital. I was sort of um, the bad guy against administration, um, but I, I was very um, committed to the process of negotiation and representing nurses. So we were successful in getting the union. And um, after that time, the union actually asked me if I would consider working for them. So I interviewed with the New York State Nurses Association and um, I did not get the job because I was young. I was in my twenties and I was competing with other nurses who were more experienced in their forties. So I was disappointed, but I um, went to go work for a home hospice for about a year um, to do other things outside of the ICU. And then the nursing union called and said, hey, are you still interested in working for us? I said, I would love to. So I started working for the New York State Nurses Association. I was a nurse rep for uh, 1,500 nurses in New York City. I represented nurses in New York's um, Westchester County Medical Center, um, um, St. Catholic Medical Center, and um, St. Vincent's Catholic Medical Center in New York City, all kinds of facilities. And it was very stressful, but very rewarding. I represented nurse nurses in grievances and arbitrations. I helped negotiate contracts. I organized uh, labor management meetings to discuss problems in the hospitals. Uh, I organized picket lines, strike lines. Um, it was very exciting time in my career. And I was newly married and I got pregnant <clears throat> with our first son. And that kind of role, uh, career role was difficult with the family because I was sort of all, always on call for my nurses. So I uh, decided I needed a change and um, I did uh, a search online for new opportunities. And I found a law firm in New York City looking for a nurse, a critical care nurse who could help them review medical records. And I thought, well, I'm a critical care nurse. I can do that. So I applied. Um, it was a firm in New York City. It was called DLA Piper. It was the third at the time, the third largest law firm in the world. And I didn't know much about it. But I got an interview and they hired me. They liked my critical care experience. Um, I did have my adult nursing critical care certification at the time. And they really liked my experience working with the New York State Nurses Association, um, negotiating contracts and so forth. So I started working for them as a nurse paralegal. And they um, were the firm that was defending the um, pharmaceutical company American Home Products, AKA Wyeth, um, that was um, back for the diet drug litigations. And so I was part of a team that had to sort through the real cases and the not real cases. And there were hundreds of thousands of cases, I wanna say. Um, I learned a lot from Heidi Levine and from Gail Rogers. Uh, Gail Rogers is a nurse attorney and um, they set up um, our system where we had to follow certain, we had to review records for many, many, many cases and extract information for settlement criteria. So I was th with them for three years. I started off as a first level reviewer and I ended up being um, a mentor, um, someone who trains other nurses and I became a third level reviewer. So I became, I was very good at what I did. I got a nice compliment. They wanted to clone me so we can have more nurses like me. But then I got pregnant with twins and um, I had a baby at home and now I had twins and I commuted back and forth to the city from Westchester on the train every day. And that became hard. 
So I decided I should go back to the hospital and get some more clinical, get my clinical experience freshened up again and work nights and be with my baby. So that's what I did. And let me stop you there, Mary, because I know that for many nurses, getting a job in a law firm sounds very desirable, particularly for people who are in the earlier part of their stages because they get a salary, they get benefits, they get all the guarantees of steady income. What did you learn about the the pros and cons of working in-house as a nurse as a result of working for a law firm? Sure. Um, I would say that um, the pros of working for um, the law firms that I've been in is that um, they are they are flexible with your time in that if you want to bring work home with you, you can. Um, for the most part, I had managers that were very um, flexible and would let me, say, work from home when I needed to or adjust my schedule. Um, what was difficult, though, very much difficult full time is the billing requirement. Um, everything we do is billable to a client. And so you have to be very, very efficient with your time so that you're not um, so that you're productive enough to be profitable for the firm and for yourself. You have to sort of justify your job. And so you need to keep billing. And so there was a lot of pressure. Um, you have a lot of different attorneys, different personalities that you're working with, and that can be challenging. Um, personality changes, uh, some, you, some you might get along with, some you might not get along with, um, some that respect what you do, some that you don't know if they respect what you do, they just want you to do and give to give to them. Um, and that, and, and a lot of times you don't get feedback because it's such a, a busy environment that you don't know if you're really doing a good job until they come to you and say you did something wrong. So you don't get a lot of like positive feedback. It's more of if you don't hear anything, then you're doing a good job. So, um, but definitely the pros would be the the steady income, the predictable salary, um, and the cons I would say would have to be the the billing requirement and, and the long hours you have to put in when there's trials coming up and when there's deadlines, because you're, for the most part, you're it. You know, you make me think about a conversation I had just this morning with one of my colleagues who's working for a, a law firm as an employee a couple of days a week, and she's doing a program development outreach to attract more clients into this law firm. She's not a nurse. The law firm is run by a man whose practice is doing wills and estates, and, and he wants to be the most prominent attorney in his geographic area. And my colleague has gotten into a conflict with the office manager who said, you know, you're not putting enough detail into our database about what you're doing. I want you to keep track of what you're doing in 15 minute increments. Hmm? said, whoa, mm -hmm. I'm, you're asking me to do that and you're not asking anybody else in the entire firm to do it. Mm -hmm. So she spoke to her boss, who is the attorney who runs the practice, and suddenly the requirement just evaporated. Yes, she was probably doing very good work and someone said, leave her alone. <laughs> yes, indeed. I think that's what happened. So you went, you had your... Uh, twins, your second and third child went back to the clinical area, but you got pulled back 
into I the did. legal arena. So tell us about how you got pulled back. Sure. Well, um, my family decided to move to Florida for a job opportunity for my husband. And I didn't mind moving with small children because um, at that time I had a fourth son, now a baby. So I had four bo little boys and I said, well, I'll move to Florida. I'll get a job somewhere because I'm a nurse. I can do ICU work. So I, I returned to the ICU in Florida, night, night, night work in Florida ICU. And Florida nursing is a lot different than New York nursing. And I did not like the unit that I was in or the hospital that I was working in. Um, I loved the staff, but the management and the way the place was run, I, I wasn't very happy at the time. So I was like, wouldn't it be great to find another role like I was doing with medical record review? I had gotten my legal nurse consultant certification when I worked for DLA Piper in New York. And I thought I would like to continue with that. So I found a job working for the Quality Improvement Organization of the state of California and Florida. At the time, it was with a company called FMQAI. Now it's called HSAG. I think now Keepro has them. Um, but I became a nurse reviewer and I investigated quality of care complaints. And so it was very similar to allegations of a lawsuit where someone has any care that Medicare has paid for, if someone wants to complain about it, they can go to their state QIO and file a complaint and someone like myself will re we'll receive the complaint, request the medical record, and do a medical record review to see if there's anything in the record that substantiates the complaint. And then we communicate with the beneficiary back and forth to and educate them as to what happened and what could have been better. So I was very good at that role because I was very good at medical record analysis. And I got was there for a couple of years and I got promoted to management. And I was asked to build a call center for um, a center that would be the, the, um, the call center for the entire country for all beneficiaries to call in their complaints. Well, it was a contract job with the government. That contract was dropped. The computer system wasn't ready. And I decided I didn't like management. And I really missed my reviewing job. So I went back to the hospital again in the ICU because that's my comfort zone. And that's what I was very good at. And I um, that's where I started working also as a uh, the critical care transport nurse of my county. I was full-time with them for a few years while I worked in the ICU also. And um, I got burned out from the clinical. And I always looked in the job, the job just um, the job postings online. And I happened to find a law firm in downtown of where I live, a med mal defense nursing home negligence defense firm looking for a nurse paralegal. And all of the, the job descriptions that they listed were everything that I knew I could do and I've done before. So I applied, I got an interview, and they hired me. So I was their full-time in-house nurse paralegal for about seven years. I worked med mal cases um, where I, I was in charge of all of their medical records, um, reviewing, uh, uh, logging them all for the attorneys, which ones need to be summarized, which ones don't giving them um, opinions on what kind of experts we need to consult for these cases, actually locating the experts, preparing the records for the experts. And um, nursing home is a whole other side of the firm. I was their in-house nursing home expert. So most nursing home cases don't go to trial. They get settled in mediation. Um, and a lot of times it's due to miscommunication. You know, people are upset about what happened to their loved one in a nursing home. And a lot of times things could have been better if it was better communicated. And I learned that a lot 
when I was working for the QIO. So I was the in-house nursing home expert. I reviewed and summarized um, all of their nursing home cases and gave narrative opinions on the strengths and weaknesses of the case. And I was Let very- Let me stop you again, Mary. Yes. You said very casually and confidently, I went for an interview and I was hired. I know that there's going to be somebody watching this who's going to be saying, but exactly how did Mary ace that interview so that she got hired? Because you make it sound very easy. And perhaps it's not that easy. You know, you, um, thinking back on that interview, are there are there memories that you have about how that interview went so that you came out at the other end with a job? Sure. Before we continue with the show, I'd like to share this special announcement with you. What is an opt-in offer? You've seen them many times. A box shows up on a web page with a text offering you something in exchange for your email address. Maybe you click, maybe you don't. I wrote Creating Irresistible LNC Opt-in Offers to take you through a step-by-step program to design an opt-in offer that your ideal clients will feel is super valuable in exchange for their email address. You will use this email address to supply the opt-in offer, communicate with your ideal clients, build a relationship, and eventually ask for the sale. Content is king. People are hungry for information and content to help solve their problems. Before consulting the experts, most of the people you will serve will head to the internet looking for a solution. Consider the popularity of YouTube, the second largest search engine after Google, as a site for quick answers to the question that starts with, how do I... You want to create content that will be something your ideal clients want to know about. It's irresistible. It will improve some area of their law practice or make them feel better. It will solve a problem that you identified and will cause them to act, to buy your service. It's clear, it's concise, it's specific, it's visually appealing. It uses their language. Learn more about designing a powerful opt-in offer in creating irresistible LNC opt-in offers. Get your copy today. Now let's return to the show. Um, I remember going into the interview, thinking about all of the the experience I had clinically, um, also uh, legally, because I worked for the law firm, a law firm before. Um, I basically, um, in, in my head, I had all of the experience in my head that I wanted to share with the attorneys. And I, um, I went in there with confidence basically letting them, letting them know I'm the right person for your job because I have all of this experience and knowledge and I can help you. Um, I, when I read the job description, I read the, the job description knowing that I could do each thing. I've done it before. I was successful at it. And so I did go in the interview with confidence. 
Um, and the attorneys only asked me one question. They were they were without a nurse. They had a nurse there for many years, but they were without a nurse for about seven months. And they were having a hard time finding someone they thought would fit, would fit the role. And the only question that the partner had asked me was, what do you like to do for fun? And so they, I think they were desperate to find someone with my skill set because I had such a broad range of clinical experience and, um, and experience worked already doing medical record reviews and summaries and so forth, that it really wasn't that hard of an interview. And I may have missed it, but had you worked in a nursing home prior to applying for that job, working on nursing home cases? Thank you for asking that because that was brought up at that interview. One of their key pieces was we need you to be the in-house nursing home expert. Have you ever worked in a nursing home? Can you, you know, can you actually be that person for us? And my response to them was when I reviewed the records um, for the QIO investigating in, uh, complaints, many of the records that I investigated were nursing home records, people complaining about care given in the nursing home. So I had that experience. Also, when I worked for critical care transport, I did um, transport nursing home patients from uh, the nursing home to an ER, uh, ventilated patients from a nursing home, uh, balloon pump patients. Um, I, I, I was able to, I had that kind of experience. So that sort of checked the box for me, I believe, um, at that time. And um, I did... Um, when I worked for home hospice for that one year, I was the nursing home liaison for the hospital. So I would round on nursing home patients to see who might be hospice uh, appropriate and support the families and so forth. So those were the experiences I had. I never, I was never a staff nurse in a, in a nursing home, but I had the knowledge base um, and that was enough at the time. And I think that's an important message for our listener because a person could read that job description and say, no, I'm not qualified. Why should I even try? Yes. Because I've never worked as an employee in a nursing home. And yet you saw it and said, I have this piece. I have that piece. I have this piece. It's like the Swiss cheese. Yes. It's got a framework around it. Maybe there are some holes. Maybe you haven't been a director of nursing. Um, maybe you haven't been a charged nurse in a nursing home, but you knew enough to be able to confidently sell them and say, yes, I've got the capability. And of course you have proven that you can learn new areas as you have moved from different parts of nursing into different roles. It's a matter of learning the regulations and, and learning the nuances of the nursing home environment. And there are quite a few nursing homes in Florida, speaking as a Florida resident, and certainly a need for people who can analyze those medical records. Yes, very good points, Pat. Yes. And I was I was lucky that they took a chance on me and and they were they were very happy with my work. Um of course I get asked, well, you know, I can review nursing home records, but you know, could I testify as a uh, as an expert in a nursing home case? Well, no. I'm a consulting expert. I can review a record and show you where the deficiencies are and highlight what was what went what went right, what went wrong. Um, and then I'll help you find the testifying expert that you need to support all of that. So mm -hmm. that's what I can do for them. Mm -hmm. All right. So that was seven years, you said. Yes. And what happened? So then um, I was with that firm for about almost seven years and uh, I got 
I got a little itchy. Um, I got I got a little um, restless, and I thought, you know, there's so much more that for I could do with this firm, um, and I just felt sort of stuck in a box. And I thought, I, I think this is a good time for me to go out on my own. So I resigned, and I decided to look for work independently. And I did get hired um, by three different companies doing subcontracting work. Um, that work entailed toxic torts. Um, premises liability, slip and falls, um, transportation, um, some self-insured transportation companies would hire the companies to help them review records, to analyze cases. So I got, um, I got those kind of uh, the, uh, BP oil spill cases. I reviewed some of those cases. So I got a lot of experience in that realm. And while I was working as a subcontractor on my own, what I loved was the flexibility, working from home. My boys at the time were getting older and I had more leeway to kind of be creative with my career. However, they are college boys and I have to pay for college and the unsteady income of subcontracting and being an independent contractor was not sitting well with me. I missed that regular paycheck. So I was looking for a full-time opportunity again so that I would have regular income. And that is when I brought my casserole over, my, my big ZD over to my neighbor's house, who mm -hmm. listened to my history and said, hmm, I think we could use someone like you. And at the time when I joined Rimkus, they were, they have one nurse um, who supports the biomechanical engineering um, experts um, practice group. And they are experts that are retained to analyze um, car accidents, premises liability, slip and falls, any kind of case where there's an injury due to a mechanism. And these experts are asked to analyze the records and the mechanism to see if it was actually caused the injury. So then they use us as nurses to help them review the medical records, to pull out the pertinent things that they need to make that, um, to make their, their opinions on these cases. And so we team up with them. So I became part of that team with the other nurse and talking with the other nurse, I said, you know, there's so much more we could do with the company and with our clients, because our clients are all kinds of clients, um, big firms, small firms, self-insured companies, and we can provide legal nurse services um, to all of our clients. And so we, uh, Lisa Powers and I have started our own legal nurse consulting practice group within Rimkus. And um, it's been going for almost a year now and it's been very exciting. You know, you make me think Mary, as you talk about biomechanical engineers of a, a person I got to know well because he was always a vendor at attorney conferences. And he described a case in which there was um, a fatal accident and the question was, who is the driver? Because of the way that the bodies were discovered within the car. And it required being able to piece together what side of the body was injured and who was more likely to have been the driver versus the passenger. Because there was definitely a switch and there were people who, um, who were representing the defendant who were trying to assert that it was the other guy who was driving and not our guy. Yeah. 
And it, it sounds like that could be a case where medical input would be important for helping to analyze the mechanism of injury. Absolutely. And oftentimes the records are very inconsistent, um, whether it be poor recollection or just, you know, not telling the truth. Was the seatbelt worn? Was the seatbelt not worn? Um, injuries, um, the injuries can actually tell you whether or not a seatbelt was worn, um, regardless of what they say. The, the biomechanical engineers can figure that out. Even traumatic brain injuries, that's a common, um, you know, allegation. Um, they can determine using math and science, they could determine if it was possible that someone could have suffered a concussion from a rear-ended accident. They so make me also think about somebody whose um, granddaughter was just in a crash and the driver who I believe had alcohol or drugs on board, as we like to say in the medical world, mm -hmm. crashed into a brick wall of a building and the granddaughter was in the back seat, not restrained, flew over the driver's seat or between the two front seats and hit the steering wheel with her teeth. Her teeth were all pushed. Instead of being upright, they were all pushed into um, a horizontal position. The car exploded, but somebody who was at the scene was able to get these three teenagers out of the car in time before they were burned, but they all ended up in ICU. And, you know, that question of, well, you know, would she have been better off with a seatbelt on rather than flying through the car and getting a traumatic brain injury? Or would she have been trapped in the car if mm -hmm. her seatbelt had been on and not been able to be quickly scooped out of the car as mm -hmm. it was starting to burn? That's very true. That's very true. We see lots of interesting cases like that. I'm sure you do, Mary. And, you know, our time is up. It has gone by so quickly. We could be sitting here sharing stories for hours of the things that you have helped the biomechanical engineers with. Tell our viewer who is interested in finding out more about what your company does or the services that you all provide, what would be the best way for them to be able to get that information? Sure. Well, um, our legal nurse practice group um, has its own um, site on the remkis.com website. And there uh, we explain how we can view medical malpractice cases, nursing home cases, premises liability, toxic tort, um, any cases re re relating injury. Um, and so if you go to our website, rimkis.com and search legal nurse consulting, you'll find us and all the information is there about our services and how you can reach us. Excellent. And for those who are listening to this podcast and not watching the video on our YouTube channel, Rimkus is spelled R-I-M-K-U-S, Rimkus.com. Com. That would be the place to go. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Mary, for sharing your expertise and your journey, which has touched on many aspects of legal nurse consulting from doing quality reviews to working in-house in a couple of law firms, working in the area of the defense product liability and defense medical malpractice, working on nursing home claims, which are certainly their own world with their own sets of regulations and nuances 
to helping biomechanical engineers with your medical knowledge. I'm sure you're reading chest X-ray results and MRIs and CT scans to help with establishing the answers to some of these questions that can be perplexing to try to reconstruct after an incident has taken place. Could it really have happened that way? Or is there another way that this could have happened? Those kinds of things can come up quite frequently. Absolutely. And for you who's been watching this program, be sure to go to the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and download our app, which is called Expert Edu, where you can obtain videos, podcasts, um, blogs, a variety of sources of information that will be helpful to you in your legal nurse consulting practice. Just download it onto your smartphone, follow the instructions on the screen to put in the code to unlock the content, and off you go. And be sure to hang on for a few more minutes to find out who's coming up next on Legal Nurse Podcast. Thanks so much. Coming up next, you'll have an opportunity to hear from a nurse who has built a practice supplying legal nurse consultants to be observers at defense medical examinations. Sylvia Anenye has a California-based practice and shares in our next podcast some of the tips and strategies that she has developed in building a business having nurse observers at defense medical exams. Sylvia, I know that our viewer or listener is going to be curious about what you covered in your podcast. What were some of the topics that we discussed? Uh, some of the topics that we discussed were basically what a defense medical exam is or an independent medical exam. We discussed what an LNC is supposed to do, what her job is during this type of exam. We also discussed how to handle aggressive doctors during the exam. And we also handled the background on what happens and how prepping the client is paramount to how the DME or the independent medical exam turns out. And I know that our viewer is going to be interested in your description of the situation. Can you tell us what you revealed in the podcast about that situation that occurred between you and a DME physician? Uh, what we also shared during, you know, the podcast was how I was actually almost assaulted by a doctor. And if you want to find out exactly what happened, you would have to listen to the podcast. Absolutely. Well, watch for Sylvia Anenye's podcast coming up next on the LNC Observer at a defense medical exam. See you then. See you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
Check out Pat Iyer's resources for legal nurse consultants on LegalNurseBusiness.com. Pat coaches legal nurse consultants so they make more money, get more clients, and avoid expensive mistakes. Check out her coaching program at LNCAcademy.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Join our community to get notified of each new episode and to receive the transcript of today's program. Complete the request form on podcast.legalnursebusiness.com. We appreciate you and your interest.